Thanks, Al. Morning, everyone. Or Yes, we are still morning. Good to be back over again. I was over uh, last year, I think, at one point, uh, speaking here in Portadown. It's it's always brilliant getting across. I know we're always coming across anyway on Wednesday nights with prayer meeting. We'll be here this week as well. Uh, it's beautiful being part of the body of Christ, isn't it? And isn't it amazing that because of what we celebrate today, this is Jesus' prayer for us, but this is the reality of what it is. He says, Father, as you and I are one, may they be one. And we are one in Christ this morning, uh, which is such an honor and such uh, a blessing. Send our love from, I feel like Paul writing one of the letters, we send our love from all the Largan Church uh, this morning. They send their greetings. And uh, where I was there this morning just getting stuff printed out and ready, and the guys were already worshiping and celebrating Jesus is alive, so it's great being able to do it together. I, uh, I, I have a very simple message this morning. Um, I know sometimes when I preach, I can go off one for a long time, but I felt the Holy Spirit tell me not to do that this morning, which you'll be glad to hear. Um, I have a very simple message. What I would love to do this morning today is the day that we celebrate resurrection power, and I'm going to be saying this a few times this morning, but this is a day of all days that we really have to hold true to the reality of this. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. So while we celebrate Jesus being alive, we need to celebrate the fact that the same power that raised him from the dead is alive in us. And this morning, I would just love to see it released amongst us. What we're going to do is I'm going to share just a little while, and then I want to leave space just to take two or three uh, different sections of being able just to minister together, being able to pray for one another. So you're going to be involved this morning uh, in this uh, as, as the body together. Al has been speaking over the last while. You've been on your um, unfolding the Great Commission theme and looking at specifically around origins. Isn't that right? looking at the early church and looking at generosity. I'm not going to really speak as much on that this morning. In fact, I'm not going to speak on that at all. Al's going to pick up on that next week. Um, I'll touch, just try to reference one little thing to try and tie it in. Um, but the last time Al was here, you were looking at the idea about the generosity of the church. You just mentioned that just when you were giving your, your tithes and your offerings. This, this was a word I felt um, last week. And last weekend when I was sitting praying about this morning and a couple of other things that I was involved with this week, I just really felt the Holy Spirit just lay a word, just like a, a verse, a little section out of a verse that I felt them speaking to me. I was already said I've been, been ill for the last week, and uh, I felt the Holy Spirit really speaking this to me, but I felt it specifically for you guys this morning as well, and so I would just love to just speak it and release it and then just see where it goes this morning, if, if that's all right. Jesus has demonstrated the greatest generosity uh, we could ever know. And uh, what I would love us to do this morning is we're going to just take time. I know some of you, if you've been to Holy Week services, you will have read these passages, some of these verses. Sometimes we can almost get too familiar with them, it seems. But I would just love us to honor the scriptures this morning. We're going to turn to the end of Luke chapter 23 this morning. That's going to be on the screens. We're just going to read just for a few minutes, just the passage and the reference about a little bit of the section about the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus this morning. So we're in a little bit of the end of Luke 23 and in the beginning of Luke 24. So let's, let's just read these together this morning. So this is Luke chapter 23 verse 44 and it's talking about the death of Jesus. It was now about the sixth hour and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour while the sun's light failed and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus calling out with a loud voice said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. 
And all the crowds that had assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home, beating their breasts. And all his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. And to verse 50, about Jesus being buried. Now there was a man named Joseph from the Jewish town of Arimathea. He was a member of the council, a good and righteous man. Who would not contend to, or he would not he would not consented sorry to their decision and action, and he was looking for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down and wrapped it in a linen shroud and laid him in a tomb cut in a stone where no one had ever yet been laid. And it was the day of preparation, and the Sabbath was beginning. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed him and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. This leads us, this is the end of the Friday. They're about to go into the Saturday, the Sabbath. And uh, obviously it's a day, according to Jewish laws and traditions, they have to rest, they're not doing anything. And then when we come into Luke chapter 24, uh, just the first 12 verses of this, we read then that this is the Sunday, the day after the Sabbath, and we read about the resurrection. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, and they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus... While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he told you while he was, while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. This, this is the account of Easter. These words, this narrative, this story that speaks of life for us. It's the thing that has brought life for us. It's the reason why we are saved. It's the reason why we worship and we celebrate each time we gather together. But the amazing thing was, was that this was something that just didn't happen. It just wasn't something that just, well, let's wait and see how this plays out. This whole weekend of events was something that was prophesied right throughout the Old Testament. Some of the examples of this you read about. So here's some of them, uh, just uh, to give it a snippet of this. So like Psalm 22, prophetic Psalm. This is the very Psalm that Jesus Jesus prays on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The imagery within this prophetic about everything that happens in the crucifixion, uh, crucifixion. Isaiah 53, the suffering servant, the sign of Jonah that Jesus even um, makes, makes mention to. Jonah, who was in the belly of the whale for three days and the sea, Jesus, it was prophetic of Jesus in the belly of the ground for three days in the resurrection. And if that wasn't enough, the amazing thing about this is that Jesus even himself specifically 
accurately, right down to the finest detail, prophesies and predicts everything that happens over the Easter weekend. It just doesn't happen by chance. So here, for example, three references to this in Matthew. Firstly, in Matthew chapter 16, listen to what Jesus says. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Jesus is telling them this. He's saying, guys, this is what has to happen. In the next chapter in Matthew 17, when they came together in Galilee, so this is Galilee where they're at now, which is referenced in Luke, he says this to them, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him, and on the third day he will be raised to life. And the disciples were filled with grief. It's almost like as the disciples have heard this, they've heard the word kill and haven't heard any of the rest. It's like they're going to kill him, but Jesus is saying everything about that is going to happen in this. They will kill him, but on the third day, he will be raised to life. He's trying to fill the disciples with hope. He's letting them know. He's bringing them on the journey. He's saying, lads, listen, I know you love me, but something bad's going to happen. But here's the thing. It's not all bad. It's not all doom and gloom. I'm going to die. They're going to do this to me. But on the third day, I'm going to raise back to life. And actually, in Matthew chapter 20, he gets really specific about the details of this. Now, as Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the 12 disciples aside and said to them, We're going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed into the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will turn him over the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. And on the third day, he will be raised to life. You would think by this stage, the disciples were starting to get it, right? They, they, they obviously weren't the, the smartest cookies in the class, right? You would hope by this stage, you're starting to get it. Jesus is eyeballing them at this point and saying, guys, this is going to happen. And here's exactly what's going to happen with it. And yet, the disciples forget on the run-up to the crucifixion, I'll say that earlier, in fear, they deny him. After his death and torment, it's almost like this Messiah who they followed, they think, this is it, finished. It's like all hope is dashed. While they still love him, their hope is dashed in the Messiah. And even as we read in that uh, narrative earlier in Luke, this is what uh, we read about Peter. So the apostles all think that this is just a fable. It's a tale that's been made up, even though Jesus has said it. When the women come back and say he's alive, they're like, you're making it up. That can't be true, but yet Jesus has said it to them over and over and over and over and over again. And Peter, this is what it says in the NLT. He looks into the tomb, he peers into the tomb, he sees it's empty, he sees the cloth lying there, and it says he goes away, and he's wondering to himself, what happened? It's like, Peter, wake up. How many times have you actually heard this? And yet this is what we read about these two figures in white are standing in the passage in Luke. And this is what they say. Remember what he told you back in Galilee. They're saying this to the women. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. And then, then at this point, they remember that he had actually said this. It's at this point where it's like, oh, oh wait. The master actually... We stopped listening when he said he was going to be killed. Actually, I do remember him saying something about the third day. Something was happening. This is what these men are reminding them. The, the boards and this that I felt the Holy Spirit's been speaking to me over the last wee while, and I feel I just want to just release this morning in these next 10 minutes, just speak into a few things, and then we're going to pray a few, through a few things together, just in some ministry. Simply this, the first few words off this slide. Remember what he told you. 
Remember what he told you. I, as, as you read this, and I know probably being a bit overdramatic and beating up the old disciples, but you read that and you're thinking to yourself, how stupid were they? <laughs> like, he's told them something specific. And he's like, how can they not remember that? And yet, today, what I want to look at for us are what are some of the things that God has spoken to you specifically? What are some of the things that today on Resurrection Sunday, Holy Spirit is calling, raising back the life again once upon you? Some of the things that he has spoken upon you that perhaps you've forgotten because of circumstances in life. Maybe you have laid down, maybe just forgotten. But this is a moment where the Holy Spirit would say this to you individually and to us corporately as a body of Christ. Remember what he has told you. And we're going to do that just in a few different ways. I'm going to just bring us through. These are going to, we're going to race through these, all right? We're going to spend more time praying. We're going to look about what it actually means, remembering. Remember what he's told you in terms of actually follow him, right? This is really significant. Follow him in this. There's words that he's spoken to you individually. Thirdly, words that he's spoken to you corporately as a church. And then finally, follow him. We're going to finish, start and finish with these two words, follow me. We're going to look about what he's actually calling you to be and release together each time you meet into this community. The thing is, Easter is, is such a good news story. If, if you don't know Jesus this morning, this is good news for you. Jesus, who is Lord, laid down his life for you so that your sin was placed upon him on the cross. That is why he died for you this morning. So you didn't have to bear the punishment for that sin. He's took it upon himself. And in return, we've been given the righteousness of Christ. That is something that restores us to relationship with God. It's good news, isn't it? That's what means that we are the church. It means that we are the people of God once again because of all that Jesus has done. This is what it means to be saved. But yet what has happened is that it seems to be that as the church, and because of some religious stuff that comes in now and again, sometimes we make it very hard for people sometimes even to understand. Sometimes we make it hard for people even to begin at the beginning of this. Chris and I were uh, at, a, at a conference a couple of months ago. Alan Hurst was leading it. One of the things they referenced, which really caught me, and I've been thinking about it a lot since then, there's this idea, it's called the social set theory. And it talks about how uh, businesses and organizations, how they relate to their cultural and their social environments. And it seems to be that actually the church over the years as well, started to relate in this way and sometimes in this mindset. And one of the things that we learn and we read about in this understanding is this idea called a bounded set. And this idea, the significance about the bounded set is that there's two, there's two clear distinctions. There's a difference between who's in and who's out, right? That's, that's what this one is all based around, who's in and who's out. Jesus obviously was very clear about the significance. You need to be in the kingdom. You need to be in Christ. But sometimes what we can get very legalistic about is who's in and who's out. When it comes to our understanding of evangelism, what we want to do is we want to go out we want to tell people about Jesus, then we want to bring them back into the church. And our hope and our understanding is this, is that if we can get people to believe the same things as us, if we can get them to behave the same way as us, then we can belong. And if they do all of that, then they can be in. Then they can be part of the church. You can be in, you can be part of the club, you can be part of the group. Part of Emmanuel poured it down if you behave the same way as us, and you dress the same way as us, and raise your hands at the right time. The thing is, right, this is the trouble of this, is that what happens if some people start to have a doubts in their minds? They start to question, not some of the fundamentals about are they actually saved, but some of the different things, maybe the beliefs that you hold maybe as a church. What, are, what happens if people start to do that? Or what happens if some people have a slip or a failure in their life where suddenly maybe they don't behave as they should be? What does that mean? Are they out? And if they're out, how do they get back in again? 
If you're out, how do you get back in? And so what happens is that for some people in, in, in this understanding is that for many people who are not yet Christians, and I say this time and time again, we shared this on the, on the Alpha Day that Dossie and I were down at recently in Ballyards. And this, this actually was one of the things that was unlocking for some people. For many people who do not yet know Jesus, and if you're in the room this morning, one of the reasons why people will not engage or not begin in, the, in this walk with Jesus is because they think to themselves, if I go into this, I'm worried that I won't be able to keep it. And if I don't keep it, then I'm going to be out because of what people have told us. You see, the reality is, is this, nowhere, nowhere in the Gospels, Nowhere actually anywhere in the Bible do we read about anything called a sinner's prayer. Some people think that they can't become a Christian because they don't know the right magic formula words that you've got to say. What's that wee prayer you say? Will you, will you pray it so I can repeat it? Because I want to make sure I say the right words so I can definitely get in. That's the mindset sometimes it is in our heads because of what the church has started to talk about, the sinner's prayer. But nowhere, these are the words that Jesus simply says, is this, follow me. Follow me. Begin this journey with me. Follow me. So we'll not take time to read this, but here's three slides with just verse after verse where Jesus is simply saying this. Follow me. Take up your cross. Follow me. Come after me. Follow me. This is what Jesus is leading us into. And so what this actually causes us to realize is that there's a different way for us to understand what our faith and the journey of faith is actually about. It's not about uh, a stepping in and then potentially coming out. What Jesus is calling us to do is this. Jesus is at the center of all things. This is what John 10.10 10 actually is speaking about. You know where it says, Jesus says that it's the enemy, the thief who steals, kills, and destroys. But yet what he has for us is fullness of life. And what he wants to do is that he wants to take us and lead us as a people and start leading us closer and closer and closer towards his heart. He wants to take people from where they're at. And what he is saying is that he's holding out his hand. And this is the invitation this morning to all of us afresh is come and follow me. Come and follow me closer and closer and closer into my heart. Follow me into all the things that I have for you. This is fullness of life for us. And Jesus is speaking this over us this morning. The disciples began to follow in this way. Jesus said this to the disciples, follow me. But here's the question. At what point did the disciples become saved? <laughs> at what point did they become Christians? We know at some point Peter actually says to Jesus, you're the Messiah, the Son of God. And we know that that is part of what it is. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you are saved. But that's what it is for us. And on this journey, and this is the first thing I would love us to pray for this morning. On this journey, there's, there's two things to realize with this. Firstly, if you're not a Christian, and you would love to begin in this walk with Jesus, I would love to invite you, because here's the beautiful thing about every step of this journey. Every step that you take with us is marked with grace. You have to have an understanding of grace. Every bit of this is grace. If there are struggles along the way, and if there are pauses along the way, here's the beautiful verses, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, right? Proverbs 24, 16. It's one of the most freeing verses on us in the Old Testament. Here's what it says. The godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. The godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. Jesus is calling you onto this journey with him. The hands being held out, come and follow me, come onto this journey. But here's the thing this morning, is that for many of us in the room, some of us might feel that we're a bit further on in this journey. We might think we're a bit closer to, a bit further on in the walk with these sort of things. But the most significant thing of our understanding with this is that the clear distinction, the most significant thing to, to ask yourself is, what is your orientation at the moment? 
Do you feel that you are positioning yourself and posturing yourself towards Jesus? Or do you feel at the minute that you're posturing yourself away from Jesus? Because how you are positioned and how you are postured is significant for the next step of the journey for you. Because Jesus is calling you into more. These are the words that Paul actually says in Philippians. We'll read the last part of this. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. It's pressing on. There is more ahead. And here's, here's what I want to speak over everyone in this room. The best is yet to come for you. Everyone in this room, the best is yet to come. Because none of us are at the center, that little J that was on the diagram. We'll only get there one day when we stand face to face with our master in heaven. That's when we will be fully in him. All of us, for each and every one of us in the room, there's more to come. The best is yet to come. And what I would love to, just to take a minute, just before we move on and pray for a few other things. I would just love to leave space just in this. For some of you in the room... Maybe you don't know Jesus yourself. I would just love to say that this is a moment for you. I feel hungry at the moment actually to speak this more and more and more each time I'm speaking. This is a moment for you. If you've never accepted Jesus' invitation, here's the invitation afresh to you. Come and follow him. Begin on this journey with him. And I would love as well just to be able to pray. If there's someone in the room this morning who feels that they're a little bit distant, who maybe feels that in terms of this idea of the journey that you've maybe paused, Perhaps you've gone back a little, you feel. I feel that this is a moment of, on Resurrection Sunday, of a calling it back again. Of a calling back to life and of the spirit of resurrection coming upon the prodigal sons and daughters of sin. Step up. Though the godly may trip seven times, they will get up again. This is the word of the Holy Spirit this morning is, stand to your feet. Let's continue to journey into this. I would love just, if we could just, before we go on, if you could just close your eyes just one more second. Don't like to embarrass people at all with this, but if you feel for you in this moment, maybe for the first time, that you would just love to begin on this journey with Jesus, to recognize your need of a Savior. Or maybe this morning you just feel it. Actually, on this moment, Easter Sunday 2019, you would love this to be a moment of resurrection life upon you, of getting up again. I would just love you because I would love to pray for you. I would love you to just raise your hand. No one is watching. Eyes are closed. I see you. Thank you. Just leave a few more seconds. If you feel that this is a moment you would just love almost to put a marker on the ground and say, God, I'm going forward in you. I see you. Father, I thank you for, for moments like this. God, whether this is the beginning of a journey, God, whether this is the beginning of fresh, thank you, Holy Spirit, that your resurrection power is here. Thank you, you're here redeeming, you're restoring, reconciling all things unto the Father. God, I just pray, Lord, for these individuals that have raised hands this morning. Holy Spirit, I just pray your anointing, your outpouring upon them. Thank you that the same power that raised Christ from the dead now lives in them. Whether it's for a first time, God, whether it is God coming upon them afresh, 
Holy Spirit, we just welcome you. Thank you that you're here. Amen. And yet, here's the thing for all of us as we go on on this journey. One of the reasons why many of us might feel that we sometimes can be stumbling along on the journey or perhaps walking slowly along a journey, maybe paused at the minute, it's because of, it's almost like the narrative of the Easter story. So the disciples, they've heard Jesus, their master, who they've spent three years with, speak in life, declare. They've actually seen Jesus raise people from the dead and declared it about himself. But yet in this moment, there is so much uncertainty. Here's the thing. Imagine, imagine what the Easter story would have been like if the disciples had actually got it. Imagine what it would have been like. The Sabbath that Saturday would have been the day of the best rest they'd ever had. As they rested knowing that the next day their rabbi was going to be coming back to life. There would have been such an expectancy and hope if they had remembered. It's not as if we can, there's anything condemning about that. But it's just because of circumstances of life and because what they could see presently right now. They'd forgotten what their rabbi and their master had actually said. They didn't have to doubt. It had already been declared. Jesus had already declared something. And for some people in the room, I feel the part of why your journey has faltered is perhaps because maybe of disappointments in life. There are promises that God has spoken over you, prophetic words that have been spoken over your life that you fully believed at one part that have never really materialized. And perhaps there's been disappointment in that and you've maybe paused. Maybe there are issues, there are difficulties that you're going through, tragedies that has just left you in a bit of turmoil at the moment. And the thing that we would just love to pray and release over you this morning is to hear afresh what God is speaking to you. As Al said at the beginning, I, I've, I suffer with MS and I've been off for the last two months or there or thereabouts. And it's, it's, it's one of those ones that when, when it took, it was the first relapse I've had in about eight or nine years. And when I took it, um, I, the, on one of my first days off, as I was praying and spent just time with the Lord, I really clearly, like really, really, really clearly, through what I was reading and through what the Holy Spirit was just speaking to me and laying in my heart, I clearly heard God say to me, because what had happened was uh, in this relapse, I had really severe double vision. I could see two of everything. <laughs> Some things that was good, some things that wasn't so good. Uh, but I was seeing two of everything. I wasn't able to drive, blah, blah, blah. There was lots of different things. But I felt God really clearly say to me that my, he would restore my vision. It was the first thing. But he told me that it wasn't going to be instant and it was going to take a little bit of time. Right? It was one of those ones for me, this is the personal thing. I heard the Holy Spirit for myself in that moment. Right, But here was the thing. God had declared it. God had declared that I was healed. There was going to take a bit of time, but God had spoken, and for me, that was all I needed. Now, hear me in this. The last thing I'm doing is blow my own trumpet. I never do that, right? I'm not building myself up whatsoever. But what has kept me going these last two months, because even as people were asking me, people were saying, are you healed? I found myself time and time again saying to people, yeah, I am, even though I couldn't really see. 
and I still wasn't able to drive at that point because I was believing what God had actually said was true. He had already declared it, and so I was believing it for myself. Chris always says this when we talk about the prophetic, and you've probably heard him share it from this platform. When people speak a prophetic word over you, it is a preferred future, and God's preferred future for you and purposes for you. And one of the things that we have to do is we have to step into those things. Romans actually says this, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. It is in that idea of the prophetic and what Jesus has declared and spoken over your life. It is calling those things into being as though they already were, right? Those things that are not yet as though they already were. And for me, it's not even just about calling them into being. I think it's really important that we live those things into being. Your posture, how you think about these things, how you live into these things is so crucial. It's not downplaying anyone's situation of what they're going through. But here's what I would just love to pray this morning. I feel for some people in the room on this Resurrection Sunday, there are people in the room who have had dreams and prophecies, purposes that God has placed on your heart. And you've been questioning for a long time, God, where are you? Why have these things not come to pass? And you are sure in your heart and your mind that this is God that has spoken to you. There's disappointments that perhaps you have. It's because of circumstances in life at the moment you're left questioning, God, why have you, why have you spoken this? When is it going to happen? When is it going to be? And perhaps maybe for somebody in the room this morning, there's situations that you're going through and you're just really struggling to hear God for yourself. If that's you this morning, I would just love you to have the boldness to be able to stand. And I would love us as the body of Christ to be able to pray together because we're the church and we're one. And I would just love that if you feel that there is promises, unfulfilled promises at the moment or prophetic words over your life that you just feel that this morning you would love prayed into, I would love you to stand for me this morning just want to give a minute for this. Great. If there's circumstances, difficulties that you're going through at the moment, maybe left you questioning, God, where are you in this? I would just love you to stand. And now what I would love us to do as the body of Christ, there are people that are standing around you. I would love you to go and lay hands on them and pray over these people who are standing. We're the body of Christ together. Let's just take two minutes on this and then come back just for the last, the last point. Pray over these people. Maybe even ask them if there's something specifically they want prayer for. Maybe hear the word, allow them to speak it out. If there's a circumstance, allow them to do that. But let's take time just to pray over these people who are standing this morning in faith for what God is doing in this moment. Holy Spirit, Spirit of resurrection power, come and move, we pray. I feel that for some of you standing, this, these are the words that was declared over Jesus. He is not dead. He's alive. I feel it over your dreams and over your, the prophetic words that have been spoken over you. They are not dead. They're alive. Let's pray for these to be released. In the same way that we pray that over individuals in the room, we pray the Holy Spirit continues to remind you of that. This is the word. Remember what he has told you. I feel just lastly that this is what it is for you corporately as a church. Remember what he has told you. I, I don't stand here like as a prophet of doom at all. <laughs> but obviously this year ahead of you is going to have a lot of unknowns. 
you, you know the journey that, that lies ahead. Well, we don't know fully the journey that lies ahead, but you know of the uncertainties, even in terms of buildings and places and things like that. You guys have been journeying that. We are praying. We're standing alongside you with it. But it's one of those ones that I feel that even as you go through the uncertainties of what lies ahead in these days ahead, it's important to remember what God has spoken to you corporately. Just really briefly, Al and Chris had shared these with me here. Some of the prophetic words were declared over you as a church. God was raising and establishing this as a significant um, beachhead here in Portadown, establishing a work here in Portadown. Together, we were uh, with Lurgan and Portadown. We believed that the Holy Spirit was doing something of a oneness between us in terms of what was happening in the city. God is establishing. He has declared it. He has spoken it. Words have been spoken about the People's Park would be your Jericho, that as you walked and prayed around it, the breakthrough you experienced there would unlock the whole time. Remember what he has told you in that. Do not stop going around the People's Park. Even as things continue to increase, you can so get caught up in the, in the temptation of as things grow here, you don't need to be out there. This is what God has spoken. Remember what he has spoken over you. I would love to see and call more of you to come and be part of this with it, to be praying into that corporately, because this is where you're believing for the breakthrough, to see the whole town unlocked. A picture of the Ban River overflowing and pouring over the streets as a symbol of God's Spirit being poured out. Come Holy Spirit in that. Where you'd be a church that would build an altar, pitch a tent, dig a well. You'd be a storm shelter set up in different places for the lost and the broken as you're the church, not just gathered, but you're the church scattered, that you would be this to people, a storm shelter. Posture is more important than place. This is significant for you. There's a call to camp around God's presence, particularly within the uncertainty about buildings. I really want to speak this out, that as you move into whatever it is in the future, it's really important because you can so easily get frustrated with what you see in a moment and maybe frustrated about what, what your facilities might be in an interim. I don't know what it would be. None of us do. But here's the thing is that don't let your eyes get lost and your head down on your current circumstances. Keep your head up. This is what Psalm 24 says. Be lifted up, O ye gates. Lift up your head, O ye gates, that the King of glory might come in. This is God's word upon you. Posture yourself around his presence. Remind yourselves, keep yourselves accountable in this. If you hear any niggles or any moans or any complaints, because this is what happened with the children of Israel, wasn't it? Oh, it was better in Egypt. Better in Egypt out here. It was better, it was better in, uh, in High Street Mall. Isn't that what you call this place? It's better in High Street Mall than where we are now. It was better when we just used to be vineyard on our own. It was better when we were... No, God's called you into a better future and better things. And it's remember what he has told you in this and posture yourself around the presence of God. And finally, just as we want to get you to stand, just to lastly, and just to pray together. As we remember what he has told you, as you're the church, I want to pray those things over you. But this is the last thing. As Jesus has said this again, these words, follow me, be the church. I do not have a clue how to pronounce this Greek. There it is on the screen. Um, but it just simply means just come after me in the future. So here's what it means. Jesus has gone ahead. It's almost like he has trailblazed away for us. And what he is calling us as the church is to follow after him. It's like as he's begun things is that we come behind and we repeat them. There are things that Jesus has done. That's why it's important that your church is, your, your location actually or your building actually isn't the most significant thing. It's about what you do when you go out there. As you meet with people every day, as you lay hands on the sick, as you see people healed and restored, as you see people saved and step into the kingdom, that is the key thing because this is what Jesus has called you to do. But Jesus, as we've just spent time looking at this morning, Jesus was one that spoke and prophesied truth. He tried to make sure the disciples got this. He was like, lads, this is going to happen to me. 
I don't want you to be freaking out. I'm worried. Here's what's going to happen. And what we need to be as the church, and I would just love this to be something just that we finish with this morning while we pray for all those prophetic statements over you as a church. I just feel that there's more and more and more of the prophetic to be released in big ways out of this family. I feel that for it to be released out of the family, it has to be released more and more in the family. And it's amazing that we have people who are carrying strong anointing and giftings in the prophetic here. But I feel that this is something to be released throughout this whole congregation. That this is something that's going to become a normal part of your culture. That this is part of resurrection life. That this is what Jesus has told us to do. So as he has told us to do it, and as you follow him, remember what he has told you. And I feel that this is something, I want to say this to you. I feel that this is something that, as well, I'll be saying this to our Larkin guys, we need to start practicing this and not be afraid of the prophetic amongst us. That as a church, you need to be comfortable in these days of being able to pray with anyone and prophesying with anyone. And speaking the word of the Lord, listen, for some people that can be quite a directional thing, but for some people it might just be a word of encouragement, speaking the truth of God over people's lives. For some people in the room this morning, the reason why you, you might be unsure of what God has spoken of your life is because maybe you've never heard that for yourself, some of the promises of God. And this is the place where you can hear it. Because here's the thing, this is where the body of Christ is. And if you're the body of Christ, then you're his mouthpiece. And you get to be able to speak and declare the prophetic word and the truth of God. And this is what I would love to finish with just for the last minute, the last couple of minutes. I would love you in two or threes to stand as we finish. And then Chris is going to come and just do one big prophetic thing just as we finish from, from the stage over here. And I'll can wrap it up. I would just love you in twos or threes with people that, it's okay with people you don't know. But if you feel comfortable in this, I would love you to turn in twos or threes and pray with one another. I would love you if you feel a picture this morning for someone, because this is, this is Resurrection Sunday, the same power that raised Christ from the dead is in you. It's alive in you. So allow it to minister through you and speak through you this morning. Be bold with us. Be bold in the power and the might of the Lord. He's alive in you. You carry his anointing and his authority in you to be able to do this. And I'd love you this morning if you sense a picture for someone to give it to them. If you sense a word for someone this morning to give it to them. Here's your responsibility if someone does that to you. Test it. Don't accept it as gospel test it, right? That's why we can just do this. We can release it, right? We're not saying take it as gospel and go and sell your house if someone says that's what God's told you. Test the word this morning. I would just love this morning if we could, just as we finish, let me pray for you. And then I would just love you to take a couple of minutes and then Chris can come and uh, close us off this morning. Father, I thank you for this people. And God, even as we pray for one another right now, Holy Spirit, we invite you. Thank you. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is here. It's amongst us moving right now. And so we invite you. God, I just pray, Lord, for the future, God, of this congregation. Thank you, God, for what lies ahead of them. Thank you for the plans and the purposes and the promises you've spoken over them. God, we remember it. God, we remind ourselves of your promises over our lives individually. And God, keep us faithful just to follow you in these moments. Come, Holy Spirit, and be released. Could you just turn in twos or threes? Let's just do this. Be comfortable with us. Let's just turn. And in the spirit of resurrection, let's just pray life upon one another, just as we wrap this up. It's been so good to, to meet this morning and to pray and to think about what Jesus has done in our lives. And um, just during the worship today, I felt the word resurrection was something that um, a lot of people need. And maybe you need that power, that resurrection power in your life. This morning in Ephesians, we read that uh, the same power that raised Christ from the dead resides in us. 
So whatever our circumstances, whatever we're going through, whatever seems to be impossible for us is no longer impossible because resurrection power is within us. But I think specifically for some people as well, I think that God is, is doing a work of resurrection around um, dreams, things that have fallen aside, things that have uh, disappeared in your life that, that didn't work out. That maybe you've had a vision or a dream of something in the past. And I think that resurrection power is available this morning to raise that dream up from the dead, um, to raise that the broken relationship up from the dead or that, that idea that you had to go and do something that never quite happened. Uh, and so just as we're finishing this morning, I just want to pray for resurrection power to come. And again, Steve has said, you know, if you have never given your life to Jesus, there is no better morning to do that. I would encourage you to come and, and get one of the leaders here and come and have a chat with us. But this, this could be your morning to give your yes to Jesus, to give your life to him, to respond to him, to turn towards him. I think that picture is so good of Jesus being at the center and us walking towards him. We don't need to have every single thing figured out. We don't need to have it all together. We don't need to have our behavior in line before we come. Now is the time to come. Now is your opportunity and your time. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, we know that the same power that raised Christ from the dead is available to us. And God, we ask this morning that you would come and you would resurrect hope and hopeless hearts. You would resurrect dreams that have fallen to the side and been laid aside or have fallen apart. God, you would resurrect a hope for family situations, God, for healing, for physical healing, for mental health and well-being healing. We pray for resurrection power for those things in your name. And, and God, we ask right now that you would move in hearts and minds, that your spirit would bring witness to the fact that Jesus is alive, that those that have not yet given their life to you, that this would be their morning. Come, Lord Jesus. We thank you for your sacrifice for us. We thank you for the blood that was shed, that sets us free, that presents us sinless and perfect before God so that we can know relationship, that we can know identity, that we can know hope, and we can know future. We thank you for that so much, Lord. And, and I, just, I just believe there's somebody here who feels like they have no hope and no future. I know that's easy to say, but if that's you, you'll know right now because you'll feel it in your stomach. You'll feel something inside you knowing that it's you. You have no hope and no future. You speak that over yourself and over your life all the time, but it is a lie from the enemy. It's a lie from Satan, and I just I command that lie to go, and I speak the hope and the life of Jesus over you. And if you want to come and talk to me afterwards, I'd love to talk to you about that because you have a good future. It is in your hands. So thank you very much. We we're finished. Um, we'd love for you, for you to hang around, have tea and